This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather. What are we? We are an indie music-focused show, rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Our fascinating, fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. And hostess, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Christina Baldwin, your favorite sailor mouth non-sailor, friendly neighborhood goody two-shoes, pseudo-badass, and singer in the dark rock dynamic duo, Ascent. Total goody two-shoes, yeah. And I'm, prof- <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Professor P. Soup, and I'm an alligator. I'm a mama-papa coming for you. I'm a churn and urn, a burning funk. I'm a flea-bit peanut monkey, and if you got all those references, whatever shitstorm your life might be in at the moment, take comfort in the knowledge that you did not grow up in a howling void of cultural deprivation, and you were immersed, and you at least heard awesome music. So, uh, hopefully, all of those, all the uh, older persons in the audience uh, could relate to most of those. And maybe some that aren't quite so old. Oh, did you get any of those? Wonderful. <laughs> of course. I, I was going to say a wild and an untamed thing, but that would have been too obvious. Ooh. A flea bit peanut monkey, Rolling Stones. Let's talk a little bit about something that we all want to do. Bring people back from the dead. Yeah, I mean, don't you just think about that all the time? It's, I know I do. That is so That is so incredibly necromantic of you to Ooh, bring that up. Oh, isn't it? it? I, yeah. I do consider myself a necromantic. I don't want to lie Back to you. Back from the dead, okay. Back from the dead. Well, there's a site called Raider, and I don't know if you know about this site, but it's basically where people kind of pose a question... They go on there and then they rate, you know, the answers. Oh, Raider. Raider. Okay. Not like Raider of the Lost Ark. Raider. Okay. Oh, I apologize. Excuse the fuck out of me. Raider. Raider. So in this case, they said, well, which artist would you most like to bring back from the dead? And I thought, this is fucking fascinating because I think about this shit all the time. Like, oh, I wish so-and-so wasn't gone. I wish I could bring him back. Let's start with number 10, shall we? Let's go backwards. So number 10 is Mozart. Bring Mozart back from the dead? Fuck yeah. I mean, imagine. That would have been funny for the John Lennon moment, but I didn't save it. Didn't save what? Uh, imagine. Oh, it... <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I, it, I actually didn't think of Lennon because we were talking about Mozart. And, <laughs> but one thing with Mozart, though, is it depends on... Are our motives completely selfish in this? I mean, do we want it back for our own gratification, or are we considering, like, the families, for example? In which case, I fish Wolfgang was here. I mean, they're all all totally dead. So that right there kind of weighs against uh, Wolfgang, really, as much as I love him. Um, So he wouldn't top the list, I don't think. Okay, so very interesting. So when I was thinking of this, I think you bring up a good point. If it's purely selfish, then no, he would be up there, yeah. So I think think there's a couple of things... When I was trying to weigh whether or not I'd want to bring them back, I was thinking, number one, were they already too old? Did they die too young? So those things factored in. Families, not necessarily because I figured they're mostly dead, depending on who the artist is. For example, Michael Jackson, though, his family's still very much alive and around, and they'd love to see him back. We'll talk about that in a minute. Good point. And I was going to mention John Lennon. I mean, if it was a family thing, Yoko is still alive and kicking, so I would bring him back. But for the music, if it were purely selfish, if that were the idea, then Mozart would, sorry, would be way ahead. Yeah, so I think we go selfish. I think we just go purely fucking selfish. It it opens it up wider. It does, right? I mean, and... Well, all that decency shit to consider. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes it so much easier. Yeah, so let's just go there. Uh Uh-huh. So number nine, Kurt Cobain. 
Sure, if you can take all of them, but if you got to pick and choose, uh, he probably wouldn't make the cut. I mean, if you had to pick like a third of his list or something, all things being equal, sure, yeah, he could come back because I liked Nirvana. He was only 27, too. He's part of the infamous Club 27, which includes yes. a number of people on the list. Which we'll chat about, too. We're going to have to bring up the 27 oh, Club. Oh, impossible not to. Yes. In fact, whenever anybody dies, it's like, what age was he? What, what age? age? Was he yep. one? But uh, far too many of them have been, even in our lifetime. He died too young, had a lot more to give, so I'd like to bring Kurt back. Number eight is Jimi Hendrix. Now, purely selfish, of course. I would say definitely bring Jimi Hendrix back. Again, another one that died way too young. Should not have died that young. Had a lot more to offer us, I think. Hendrix, absolutely. Another 27 years old. Yep. Jimi Hendrix. Obviously, had so much to give. His music actually gets richer and deeper as you listen to it over the years. I only kind of reawakened myself to Hendrix a couple of years ago. He's up there. He's way, way up there. I mean, he's an absolute genius guitar player. And I do think he had so much more. When you're only 27. 27. You must have more in you. You simply have to. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, him, I would definitely bring back. And Kurt Cobain, uh, in case I wasn't clear about that. All things being equal, purely selfish. Hell yeah, Kurt Cobain. He had a lot more to do. And, as a bonus, maybe Dave Grohl would give up the abominable Foo Fighters and go back to playing drums for Nirvana. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. What did he just Oh, say? man. You <laughs> need to be very fucking careful because the foos are the shit so again you're not serious we're gonna have to just we're gonna take that as as they say in the business world take that offline okay <laughs> we're gonna have to have a moment right. a little bit later just a uh, random thought just <laughs> sure but i'm I sure would. i didn't mean it no i'm sure you you couldn't possibly yes. you couldn't possibly so that takes us to number seven ricky nelson so I love the look on your face right now. Well, <laughs> what the fuck is that look about? I mean, <laughs> it's like okay. You see the look on your face. I'm like, well, okay, he is dead. That's true. That's correct. <laughs> but that's where correct. we sit around pining, I like Ricky Nelson, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think he was. Uh, we like, sit around pining. Did you say that? That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> What's so funny We weren't I mean I we, like him He's a rock and roller No doubt about it But I mean I, I think we were You know We had all we uh, Were going to get from him I don't know oh god. <laughs> That's Right It's purely selfish <laughs> Well I guess we weren't pining I was actually pretty surprised By Ricky Nelson Being in the top ten So For me I don't want to say I'm okay that he's dead, but I'm all right. You know, if I can't bring them all back, let's say I can't bring them all, I can only bring the ones I really want to bring back. I'm, I'm okay. I feel like we got we got our we got we our got money's our worth. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you know. I it was just when I said it, the look on your face was like, "Girl, I ain't got nothing for you on this one." <laughs> I mean, he's fine. You know? He's fine, absolutely. All right, so going on to number six, David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sitting around wondering what Fabian could have given us. <laughs> as, as good as he is, I mean, no disrespect. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> oh, God. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. So David Bowie is at number six. Oh, now, I mean, I don't outburst even... Outburst time, outburst time. Because it's David Bowie, that's it's why. It's Bowie. I'm, a, I'm an alligator, I'm a mom, papa, coming for you. I started the show with you this line. You started the show with the line, I know. So, clearly... By the way, total emo little aside here. Oh, yes. When he died, 
since we're talking about him, I didn't cry like immediately. I didn't. Mm. One day I was driving to work at the shop back when I had the shop, and I was listening to David live, um, and he starts doing Moon Age Daydream, and he says, "I'm an alligator." I. I lost it right there. Um, I started to cry right there, so hysterically. Um, mm. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. Uh, so I, I loved Bowie. Of course, I want him back. Of course, I saw him once live, but uh, I want him back. So yeah, he uh, his very last album, his swan song album, Black Star, uh, which you recommended, was an absolute knockout. I listened to it for the third time uh, just a couple days ago. So yeah, oh, we could always use more Bowie, and he wasn't a kid either. But he still he wasn't obviously done. he wasn't done. Look at Black Star. Oh. I mean, he obviously, was not. Losing it at all is Blackstar blows away, and there's an album of his that I've listened to every couple every year, and hoping I'll like it, and it just never seems to happen. Yeah. Uh, which was um, uh, Black Tie White Noise, you know. Yeah, I try that black tie white noise, and it's just it's noise. It is noise every time, and <laughs> hey, not he white tells noise. You right up front, <laughs> I like white noise though. I, I listen to it when I go to sleep. But no, black tie white noise is far too irritating. I don't know what it is. It's not very musical. But uh, I love Bowie though. You know that. I spent like three quarters of the show last time. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably still getting hate mail. Everybody. <laughs> I I want Bowie back. And you know when my big moment was, and it, this is probably going to make everybody sad. Every Bowie fan really like. Oh, super by all sad. means, then do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not sad. <laughs> That's why they tune in after all. I, know, I hope they don't mind. I haven't gotten any hate mail yet, but you always check the mail, the, that we're having too much fun when we do the show. No, I don't think but, so. But, I mean, if they're looking to be made sad, we, we have to let them down. So. Well, so, let me qualify that. Sad in the way that they're going to say that's what pushed you over the edge, but you have to remember it was a big coming-of-age moment for me. Oh, sad like pathetic. Okay. And fuck you. Straight up, fuck you. No, no, it depends on what it is. Yeah. Labyrinth. When it came on, you know, I wasn't even expecting it. It just happened to be, you know, on whatever pay TV I have, and I just lost it. You sing, you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. You know, and I just lost it. Dance, baby, dance. Yes. That's the only part I really remember. The dance, movie. magic, dance. dance, magic, dance. Yeah, dance, magic. Yeah, dance. since you always fucking correct me if I get shit wrong, I'm gonna fucking. Correct oh, I want to know. I want to know. Yeah, yeah so. I've seen that number. It was wonderful. I, I've seen the movie, but I don't remember much of it. But he's, you have to uh, see he's always it again. good on screen, and he was almost a Bond villain too. He's uh, beautiful. Yeah, he oh, is. so then of course when I heard Black Star, I absolutely just lost it. There's so many songs on that album that I wish I wrote. So we're going to talk about that in another show. we got to just move on to Prince. Oh, there we go. Another rapper. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously, he uh, was continuing to be a huge creative force uh, right up to the end. So, yeah, he uh, he needs to come back. <laughs> If we can, if we can do it in a non-occultic way, uh, just simply by not having them not died in the first place or whatever, but uh, if we just purely fantastically want to uh, necromantically bring them back from the dead, I would definitely include Prince. He's Absolutely, fantastic, yeah. I want Prince back. I still can't believe he's gone. I really can't. I still can't believe it. So Prince comes back, and then that takes us to. Michael Jackson. Oh man! Uh, outburst time. Wow. Outburst. Look well, at Michael. That. Michael goes back before Michael. all of them. When I was my young, my earliest memories are of the Jackson Five. Mm. Uh, so Michael's been with me my whole life, pretty much. And no, obviously he had more to give us. He had the most brilliant show in the history of shows. I waited forever, uh, years after everybody else had seen it. I finally watched. This is it, and it was so incredible. Brilliant is an understatement. It's an embarrassment. 
the uh, there's some every single song is being played on stage like a motion picture. I don't know how in the world it was possible to create such a thing, but you watch it unfold, and you sit there just agape as uh, he directs this show, and it's uh, something you absolutely must see. And uh, well, we need more from him too. I think no question. Yeah, I, I actually broke down when I found out, and and a lot of people I knew did, a lot of people in my family did. It was a really big loss. He was very young. I mean, 50 is just not not old, so it uh, breaks my heart that he's gone, and uh, it was hard for me to watch This Is It. It was really hard for me. The whole time I cried, the first time I watched it, and... And of course, I went back and listened to his whole catalog and just cried the whole time. He was a, you know, I think I've said this before, and it's going to happen again, but first poster on my wall, I was going to marry him. It was just, you know, I had the Michael Jackson folders. I had the Michael Jackson stickers. I had the Michael Jackson card collection. He was, he was, he was it for me. And so it was hard for me. And I never, ever, ever got to see him in concerts. Never saw Prince in concert. Never saw David Bowie in concert. There's lots of concerts I didn't get to see. Wow, I didn't see any of those either, and I've always wanted to see Michael Jackson. Oh, always, 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 and Prince. Once since, since Prince, of course, of course, Michael goes way back, but since Prince came along, and Bowie, thankfully, I at least got to see once. Thank and that God, that was uh, that was quite an experience. Well, now Beethoven, oh. number four. Ooh, outburst again. Yeah. Wow, I go actually back to uh, high school with Beethoven. I would, I had, I'd earned all my uh, credits or whatever the hell it is. And I had a bunch of empty periods, so I'd go to the library and sit there like all for hours listening to music and stuff, uh, classical music mostly. And uh, Beethoven was one of the very earliest ones, the piano sonatas in particular. And uh, he was pretty young. He was not old. I mean, he wasn't as young as Mozart, right. uh, but he was, you know, young, too young, too young to die of natural causes. Uh, so, and he, uh, I mean, look at the last thing he did, the Ninth Symphony. Come oh, on, man. come on. I mean, so I had the pleasure of seeing that live uh, last year. Oh. Yeah, the whole Ninth Symphony. Wow. I cannot tell you how many times, Bruce, and I have seen the Ninth Symphony live. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, it's it's got to be over a dozen times. Wow. I mean, anytime we can go see it, we want to see it. It's just, it's one of our favorite pieces of music. I mean, I absolutely would love to have more music by that brilliant, brilliant composer. I just, I can't say enough. I mean, Mozart, obviously, but Beethoven just mind-blowing. Absolutely would love to have him back. Died too young. Oh, Beethoven is, he is the man. Ludwig is He's the man. the man. I have scores of uh, uh-huh. discs of no Beethoven. No pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> no scores. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> you see, that's that's the second one you saw that went right over my head. I know, what's going the fuck yeah, on? I'm, I completely missed that. But uh, Or I, I'm doing it subconsciously. You know, oh, you know, oh. I think that's what it You're is. You're setting right? me up to be funny. I'm you oh, up I see. Without even realizing it. Of see, that's, course. That's, that's, that's the partner you are. That's the kind of partner I am. I'm, I'm it's like I'm setting you up. I'm, I'm, all you got to do is just bang. You got one job. There, I, got, you know. I have one Make job. It, one job. You know. <laughs> all right. So Ludwig, of course, he is the man. He always has been, and uh, probably got more of his records than anybody else's ever. You know. Number two, John Lennon. No outburst. No. Well, I mean, what the hell? I'd kind of run that. It's just it didn't come. I can't force it. It just uh-huh. didn't come that time. And I, I love Lennon. I've already we've already talked about that. You were giving yes. me shit about that today. In fact, you know, <laughs> we're looking through my record collection, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> was I? No, you weren't. You weren't. You did mention, however, that uh, I had a preference for Lennon because there were Lennon and McCartney albums in my record collection, yes. and Harrison. Uh, that I. Some of which I'd never heard or heard only once. 
and we were just looking at my records tonight, and she's like, oh, there's the guy, you take over McCartney. And I was like, nah, I said, no, I definitely said not solo. I will take McCartney anytime. But um, I'm not sure I should have like that, but that's fine. I mean, you know, if that's what I sound like to you. <laughs> so I, it's like everybody sounds like Charlie Brown's teachers to Charlie Brown's adults to me. I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, you do like that? I don't know that anyone would listen to the fucking show if I just sounded like that. I love those adults. <laughs> me too. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> no, we're not passing a bottle around here, although it sounds like it. It does. It does. Oh, yeah. uh, he had so much more music. He had so much more to give. And, you know, um, who knows how much he could have helped during what we're going through right now, you know, with his peace and his, you know, bed ends. Who knows what he could have done to help <laughs> us all right now? Alas, he is not with us anymore. We just have uh, Yoko Ono. So that's something, I guess. And I like, I'm one of those people who simply will not countenance any shit talked about Yoko. I like Yoko. Poor thing. I feel sorry for her. Music has actually been good on occasion. So. Nope, I said it. <laughs> you don't like fucking Tool, but you like this screamy, screechy Yoko. What in the ever-loving fuck? Now uh, we're going to get hate mail. Now we're going to get hate about mail. damn time, you know. Okay. God. Boy, you, t- you people will take a lot. <laughs> Yoko motherfucking Ono. That's right, I said it. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you took one for the team on that. There you go. All right, so number one. Anybody guess? Of course, it's going to be Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Absolutely. And I say that with no fuck. I mean, of course, I'm like a huge, huge Queen oh, fan. Ditto. I mean, without a doubt, bring Freddie back. He died way too young. Brilliant in every fucking way. Still missed. I mean, I, and as you know, I've seen Queen with Adam Lambert, who was fucking brilliant. But God, to see it with Freddie. I know you got to see a concert with Freddie. Um, something I will never, never get. Yep, the whole band in the 70s. <sighs> in their heyday. So it sounds like most of this, with the exception of poor Ricky Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> some things, some things are better as they are, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we got to talk about some honorable mentions before we go on to our top three. Uh, so honorable mentions, number 14, Johnny fucking Cash. Hello. Number fifteen, Elvis Presley. Yeah, Come on. yeah, that's 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 an honorable mention only. I wow. mean, number sixteen, Tom Petty. Number seventeen, Karen Carpenter. Twenty, Marvin Gaye. Twenty-one, Jim Morrison, and twenty-two, George Harrison. So the reason I call them honorable mentions is they didn't make the top ten, but for me, <laughs> these are right up there. So I had to bring them up because I would literally bring back every one of those. Yeah, they are all the best of the best. I mean, please, Johnny Cash, oh. Elvis, come on, come on, uh, Jim Morrison. Although, do we get a twofer on that one? Can we bring Ray Manzarek back too? Because <laughs> hey. we're gonna need him. You know, <laughs> we probably should. I mean, it's a twofer. All right, yeah. Well, and and Harrison. Oh my goodness. Oh, I mean. Oh. I would take him over Lennon any day, I think, you know. Wow. <laughs> that might be fighting words. I don't know. Not to me, but, you know. Uh, I know. Not wow. To you. You're the only one I'm concerned about offending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, there we go. So that is the top 10 per rater. And uh, then those are some honorable mentions. What are your top three that you would bring back? 
Oh, is this a pop quiz? Okay. Uh, I would, believe it or not, uh, I, Beethoven. Beethoven has been a driving force in everything I've, you know, every understanding of music ever since I was a teenager. Uh, so Beethoven certainly, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Bowie, I think, and, wow, that's the top three. That's a tough one. You didn't say anything about that before, did you? <laughs> I did. I did. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> uh, so everybody knows you did. Everyone you know? <laughs> knows I fucking did. <laughs> Nobody out there has any question about that at all. No. You know. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Uh, Ricky Nelson. Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> Ricky Nelson. And I absolutely, positively... Freddie Mercury would have to come back, and all four members of Queen would have to get together and do uh, a new album or something. That I would love to see. So, yeah, I'm going with Freddie and Ludwig and Mr. David. <laughs> go ahead. I'm just having a little classy, classy uh, carbonated water here in both you, studios. You. With the fan, you should see this. Well, you're going to see pictures if you look at the website or the Facebook page. This beautiful both studios sign that uh, Christina made us. Uh, we're gonna, you're going to love seeing that. So That just makes us feel so much more like pros you couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it might not sound that way. <laughs> I mean, we never promised that. Yeah. We didn't oh, promise God. that. You know what to expect by now. <clears throat> well, so my top three are David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, and Chris Cornell. Wow. I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to keep you on your toes here. Uh, because there's a gentleman who does not even appear on this list who is no longer with us. And I know you miss him. George Michael. Mr. George Michael is not even mentioned here at all. That was uh, tough for me. Well, if I had top five, he would have been in my top five. Wow. This, you sounded like John Cusack in, uh, in uh, High Fidelity. <laughs> you know? Top five breakups and all. That's right. Top five. Yeah. So he he definitely came to mind. But I was thinking as far as... Musical contributions, he had slowed down, sadly, quite a bit. But Chris Cornell, I feel, was just somebody who had so much more to say. And it's really astonishing he doesn't appear on this list either. Uh, these, What are these kids thinking to not put... And you know this is kids behind all this. It's, yeah, to I mean, not, probably. <laughs> I'll bet anything. Wait, wait a, a minute. Wait a minute, though. Ricky Nelson? I'm not sure about that. Okay, yeah. That, that, that is, there's, one old, there's one old lady in the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who was a teenager when Ricky Nelson was a... Okay, yeah. She's uh, she's on the voting panel or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now you have our top three people that we would bring back from the dead. Some on the list, some not on the list. If you want to share your list with us, feel free to send it to bofonair at gmail.com or go ahead and comment on our wall. Uh, be interested to know who you'd bring back. That has us running, stampeding toward the restatement of the top ten theme, David, and that is all you. You actually are going to entrust this section to me? Okay. Indeed. (laughs) Clearly you have not been paying attention, Dumplin', okay, but (laughs) I'll do what I can, you know. All right, the both theme this time is cheap, cheap, yes, you heard me correctly, (laughs) cheap thrills. A squawk on the wild side, <laughs> and it's pretty open-ended. The song's about anything that's unusual or dangerous or sordid, or it's the third time I've tried to read this word, indecent, thank you, indecent, <laughs> or just in any kind of indulgences, sex, drugs. Uh, rock and roll. Gambling, rock and roll. Well, no, that's that's a, that, that one wouldn't count. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
living wild, you know. And uh, you know what? The funny thing about this one is, I thought it was going to be so. I came up to steam. I thought it was going to be so easy. It's not. You know why I thought it was going to be so easy? Because my head is filled with this vast pool of music, and most of it is mainstream and mm-hmm. old and old uh, dinosaur music. And it's easy to think of uh, songs about uh, cheap thrills uh, out of that lot. Well, for sure. But what's up with these indie artists today? They're goody two-shoes like us. It, <laughs> <laughs> it actually, the whole world is going goody two-shoes. It actually took a little thinking and a little hunting to come up with 10, but we certainly did. Of course, we're not going to let you down. We came up with 10 fantastic songs about... Exactly that. Some sort of uh, living on the edge kind of thing. Uh, Debauchery. Taking it a little far or just uh, flirting with disaster or some kind of, uh, yeah, some kind of debauched thing. And uh, we're going to be hearing uh, songs pretty darn soon. Oh, no. Am I actually supposed to introduce the song now? Okay. Well, since we're on that subject, here's a song about indulging, like all the frigging time, in... Alcoholic booze, okay, a very <laughs> and uh, we hear it both. <laughs> we hear it both. Do not endorse no. uh, and find no humor in uh, drunk driving. We understand the dangers and all that. However, it makes for some amusing subject matter if handled correctly. And there's this definite art in that in making you laugh at very drunk delicate. driving. Very It has to be handled just so. Just so. And that's the special art of Hurstman is to pull humor out of the unfunniest and blackest and almost uh, really abhorrent things. Anyway, this song is guaranteed to make you snicker at the thought of this inebriated sot getting behind the wheel of a car or just behaving in his obnoxious drunken way. You're you're going to find this amusing no matter how you look at it. This next song is our vacation song. And when I go on vacation with a certain somebody who I won't mention, Jerry, uh, this describes him uh, and uh, he usually gets a lot of people to join in with him. And uh, I'm one of them. Thanks, bye.
go have a drink. <laughs> okay, I'll tell No more drinking. Now, you're singing that song, of course. I'm a drunk, I'm a drunk. Come on, you know you are. It's a great... <laughs> it's so raw and so fun. And, I mean, you're... you're t- <laughs> I scare everyone because driving drunk is fun. I'm sorry, that's a great oh, line. It's so wrong, but it's so, so funny. Wrong. It's the wrongest thing ever. But I mean, come on. If you laugh at South Park, you'll laugh at that. You know? I do laugh uh, at South Park. They are so wrong. <laughs> anyway, finding them on social media can be challenging, to be sure, because there's a group called Hurstman and another one called The Hurstman. Uh, just look for the song title, I'm a Drunk. So, tiny, tiny bit of digging and you'll uncover... Uh, the Hurstman and their fabulous catalog, and I think they let you download them for free. I'm not sure, but look for them on Reverb Nation. Hurstman. All right, now I introduced the song. You damn well better do something. No, <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> what? It's Raven or Nevermore. Oh man, what am I? What am I? A mule here? <laughs> really putting me to work? Okay, okay. <laughs> showrunner thing. <laughs> the whole showrunner thing going chug. to her head. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know me. <laughs> Uh, she runs a tight <laughs> ship here. <laughs> All right. All right. That brings us to feature number one. See how uh, this having this light here, having this sign here is making me act like a pro. Thank you. Hmm. Okay. All right. That brings us to. Let's try this another way. I'll be Ted. I'll be Ted Baxter here for a second. And that brings us. <laughs> <laughs> too close for comfort? Yeah. I love Ted Baxter. I do too. That brings us to feature number one Raven or Nevermore. For this feature. We weigh in on current events and trends in popular music. Is this something we are raving about, or do we want to hear about it nevermore? And tonight we'll be talking about the Grammys. Mm. Do we love the Grammys, or we really don't care if the Grammys ever rear their ugly heads again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody knows, the elephant in the room, that award shows have become basically political rallies. Well, with viewership down to almost record lows... The awards are seen as passe by some. Do we care about them or not? This is an opinion thing. I love We love giving our opinions here. Everyone's entitled to our opinions. That's right. I used to like award shows. I like the fact that they put on this cool musical number in the beginning and, you know, seeing who gets the awards. Although we're going to talk about some strange omissions in that area. Uh, I like award shows in principle. And if they would become the way they were, yeah, I'd be all in from. I like to see, you know, the build-up. I like to see little film clips and all this junk or hear little snippets of music and everything and see who gets the award. And I don't care what anybody says. Everybody is jazzed to get a Grammy or be nominated for a Grammy, whether you... In fact, I know several artists who uh, have submitted works for the Grammy uh, consideration. But anybody would be excited to be nominated for a Grammy. And come on, you know you love winning a Grammy. Not that I know from personal experience or anything, but uh, it must be great to be nominated. So uh, good luck to you all out there submitting. And I like award shows myself. I would be all in for the Grammys. However... You've pointed out that they made some strange uh, choices of what ends up on the air. It's very strange, yes. I mean, I think back in the day, the Grammys were quite something. I mean, I I looked forward to them. It was was one of those, you know, before we could pause and replay and record TV, except on your VHS tape, you know, which you were taping over something super valuable. So you were like, ah, maybe we'll just forget about it and just sit here and watch it. But... I remember thinking, oh my God, this is the creme de la creme. This is the Oscars of music. And I would watch it. I remember when Michael Jackson won all of those Grammys, I like cried. I was like, yeah, of course he did. He's the best. So it was a big deal. It still remains a big deal. It's like a huge dream of mine to win a Grammy someday, of course. However, when I look at what the Grammys and what 
really award shows have become it's very very disappointing it's, it's to me it's kind of like what MTV has become like everything is watered down everything is nothing could be as bad as what MTV has become <laughs> that's so true have you ever seen the show Ridiculousness no this is the most obnoxious waste of airtime you'll ever see in your life it's horrible mm. it's a horrible show it's basically videos of people getting hurt mm. and a bunch of idiots sitting around cackling about it and you ever heard of this uh, Chanel West Coast whatever that that nope. lady's name is oh my goodness she laughs like a freaking dolphin and she just <laughs> throughout the entire it's like Woody Woodpecker and a dolphin and she just does it gosh she's cursed the poor thing is cursed I mean you never want to be around her when she laughs and the show is horrendously tasteless yes MTV has become utterly useless and you're saying the Grammys are heading that way I think so. I mean, because of a few things. I think, you know, obviously their viewership is down. I mean, they had an all-time high in 1981 with 51.67 million. This year, 18.7 million. That's a huge difference. And and it's really sad because it is still a rite of passage, if you will, if you're an artist who is on the cusp of making it or an artist who's just made it. But it is, uh, it's just a very sad state of affairs because they've started to omit several categories, which I find personally offensive because it's things like best alternative album, best rock song, best rock album, best metal performance. You know, I think these things deserve airplay, and because they're not getting them, I find the Grammys to be watered down and homogenized, and I didn't used to feel that way. So for me, when I'm thinking of who's winning the awards, when I'm thinking of what is being omitted from being televised, I mean, you know, there's so many stories of people going to accept awards and, oh, by the way, your part is not going to be televised, so good luck on that, but here's your Grammy, bye. I just, you know, for me, it's losing its luster. I I don't want to watch. I haven't watched in years, which is so unlike me. No, I haven't in many years, and I really couldn't tell you who won uh, any of them. I used to care about that kind of thing. I did, too. Yeah, I would, uh, wow, somebody won a Grammy. I'd wonder who won, because it was, as we will see tonight, when we're talking about a certain year gone by, music used to be absolutely incredible. You'll hear some people dismiss the whole winning a Grammy thing as as nothing. I think anybody would be honored to win a Grammy, even if crap also wins Grammys. Oh, yeah. Many more than you do. Still, you'd love to be able to say, I won a Grammy. But I'd also like to be able to have my moment on TV, my moment where I'm up there and I get to make an acceptance speech and I get to have that moment where I thank all the people that got me to that point. And if I'm robbed of that, I think that sucks because I'm in a category that isn't quite as cool as pop or R&B or rap or, you know, country or whatever is the flavor of the week right now. I, that That's personally offensive to me and that would break my heart. Yeah, it would. And they do make some strange choices with that. And most of what we're saying could also be applied to the Oscars. Absolutely. You know, I mean, this category, I go, oh, they were saying, at another ceremony, this award was given out, and that one, and that one, and that one. Yeah, it'd be great to get one. It's good to hear, or it used to be good to hear. But, um, yeah, to be, you're right, to be taking your moment in the sun, your day in the sun. That's right. Basically clouded over with their bushit. Yeah, that would be, uh, yeah. It ought to be televised someplace. I That's mean, correct. It should be out there someplace. It ought to be aired in some form I mean, or another. Thankfully, we have the internet who knows it might be for all i know we because we haven't been looking (laughs) right but isn't it like a like a 17 hour long show why not just add another half hour on to allow these awards it doesn't make any sense i don't i don't understand how they pick and choose i don't understand it feels very you know biased it feels very 
uh, tipped in in one direction, and it's just it's just unfortunate. So, you know, and maybe it is because I'm an alternative rock artist. Maybe it is because I like metal, or because we play with a lot of metal bands. But it it's still, I mean, that music is as important as any other music. Well, it is. Uh, they will ins- instead they will waste our airtime with the phony plastic beat machine. That's the stuff that we'll be winning and. Uh, I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that. You know, I mean, that, I'm okay that there's a rap category. But, yeah, of but, course. But you know, I will even say that there are three awards that I'm aware of right now for rap. And guess what? Those aren't televised either. So think of the people that love rap, and think of the people that are rap artists. They are not getting their moment in the sun. And whether or not you like rap, they deserve to get their moment in the sun. And it's just, I don't understand what's going on with with these award shows. But for me, specifically around the Grammys, it's offensive. And I'm kind of, I, I love the idea of the Grammys if we could go back to what it used to be. I would too. And even if the rap would go back to what it used to be. I was in a situation the other day where I was exposed to a lot of old school rap. I was listening to oh, yeah. Ice Cube and uh, Dre and Bone Thugs and Harmony and all the, uh, and Dre with uh, Eminem. Uh, no, Snoop. And, and Snoop, yeah. And I got to say that rap in those days, not only did it have bounce, not only did it have some swing, it didn't have the phony plastic beat machine. They actually produced something that sounded like something. And it had a, it had a rhythm to it. It had a, it had a you know, I mean, it was... It, yeah, because there's like a million samples in every rap song. So that's also something. I mean, it's got, it's got a foundation of stuff we like. So, I mean, that might be one of the reasons why you really used to like it too not all of it but yeah i did like i did like a lot of it and this reminded me of that the other and you know what rap really is quite educational too uh you know for example just this last monday i learned that bitches ain't shit hmm. uh you know i mean p- boy is my face red i mean silly me i thought they was shit hmm. but they ain't shit and the song reminds us i mean seriously this is the kind of this is the caliber of music we used to have in rap this is what should get grammys fucking hoes clocking dough up to no good we flip flop and serve hoes like flapjacks the song goes on but i'm from the pound and we don't love them hoes how could you trust a hoe honestly without snoop to guide me i might have been tempted to trust a hoe Mm. think about how stupid that would be but uh again leading me on the path of wisdom there goes snoop so this is what we need in rap again Uh, i wouldn't mind these guys getting grammys uh many grammys but uh, it kind of galls me when some of the uh, some of the guys today. I mean, Drake should have. I don't know. I don't want to know. Don't ever tell me how many Grammys Drake wins. It will pro- <laughs> my head would probably explode. I know he's got three billion views with uh, a hotline playing on YouTube. So that's enough of a cross to bear. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'd say as far as Raven or Nevermore to wrap up this segment, I am Raven about Grammys the way it used to be. I am Nevermore Grammys today. No, the way the Grammys are now, absolutely not. This music today is so... I mean, it's punishment to me. I mean, is this entire generation in so mourning for their sins that this is the way they self-flagellate? I do not know. But <laughs> the... <laughs> Christina's over here like, Where, what is he saying over there? <laughs> I'm serious. Um, and the ceremony, the way they're doing the ceremonies, too. I mean, uh, the interesting stuff always gets cut. And, of course, they do something controversial. Remember the Jethro Tull thing? Mm-hmm. Jethro Tull won Best Metal. Everybody went ballistic. Yep, I remember uh, but, that. Um, that's the least of their troubles. No, the show just isn't that interesting anymore. Neither of them are. And I love awards. I want to know who get them. I'd love to get one, but... Psh- Two or three hours of my time? No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, just look it up online the next day and I'm golden. Somebody's got to watch this paint dry. uh, (laughs) Not it. Yeah. (laughs) Not it. 
So, song number nine is by a band called Electric Mind Machine. And the name of the song is Absinthe Supermoon. I will say, as soon as I saw that title, I'm like, I've got to indulge. And uh, I was looking for, for songs about drinking mm. and absinthe. Hello. I mean, yeah. that fucks your shit straight up, I've heard. Because I'm a goody two yeah, so I have I, I no idea. Yeah. I wouldn't know either. I don't know shit. So uh, they're from Glendale, California. They are alternative and garage and psychedelic. All right, so let's talk about the psychedelic part. The Hammond organ would steal the show if it weren't for the sultry vocals and fuzzed-out guitar. The song and genre give a nod to the intoxicating music of the 60s while being relevant for 2020 and beyond. Now, the chorus on this song celebrates the absent supermoon, and this song is your gateway drug to the addictive electric mind machine. Oh, don't say you haven't been warned.
Okay, so you can find Electric Mind Machine on Facebook at Electric Mind Machine. Now, if you've ever listened to Butterflies and Hurricanes, you know we love us some Tosca Wild. Not only does he have a fantastic gritty voice, but he's one of those lyricists who just keeps you hanging uh, on the next word throughout. I mean, you simply got to hear, no matter how many times you got to go back, you're going to hear every word he says because he's, he's really excellent. Lewis has worked with them. They have a, an album act together called Glamouflage, which is absolutely fantastic. And it contains my frigging jam song of all time. And it's called Bone to Do This. Uh, and it's uh, Tosca and Lewis, and they're just great together. And uh, Kathy Kirby, I am Kathy Kirby. Oh, oh I haven't said That's brilliant. Brilliant stuff, you know. Uh, so I uh, look forward to the privilege of working with Tosca one day, if it ever happens like that, because he said he would in the past, too. And uh, we talked about a project. We just never got around to it. But be a dream of a life to work with him and possibly Lewis on the same song. Who knows? Wow. Because he's a legend. And uh, here's a song of his that he does in collaboration with Brucey Bitch, or so he is called on this uh, project. He usually goes by the name of Bruce Gordon of the wonderful punk band The Get. And we've had The Get on Butterflies and Hurricanes. And I personally uh, interviewed Tosca and Brucey uh, on the, my return from Las Vegas. I raced immediately home from Las Vegas and interviewed these uh, fine gentlemen. And it was uh, we had a really good time. All right, so here's Tosca. Wild and Bruce Gordon, aka Brucey Bitch, and with a song that I think certainly speaks of lust to a degree that meets the criteria for the show. I think it, uh, I think it comes in uh, as uh, totally legit for the show. And this is one of the songs they played during the interview, and we're happy to present it again here. I am your temptation. Yeah. 
Tosca Wild and Brucey Bitch with I Am Your Temptation. Now, unfortunately, that song is from an album called Cindy Darling and Other Songs, which is now unavailable. But uh, he's going to put out another album next year called The Wild Best, and it's likely to be on that. And you can find Tosca and Brucey together and separately over at German Shepherd Records, which is in Bandcamp. So Bandcamp, German Shepherd Records, and that's where you find the Get and Tosca Wild and Tosca and Brucey. Although you won't find this song yet, but if you stay tuned, he'll be back with it next year. So now it's got to be your turn to say something. In fact, it is. This is feature number two, and it is Owl Do It Better Than Emu. And for this feature, we discuss covers of songs that either rival or better than the original. And in this case, we are talking about the Zutton's Valerie. Famously covered by Amy Winehouse and, I believe, Mark Ronson. And I spent some time listening to the Zutton's version about four times, just to give it its just desserts, because I'm very familiar with the Amy Winehouse version, in fact, covered the Amy Winehouse version and I will say after doing my my research and after really really listening and after doing a comparison of the two Amy Winehouse just does it better than Emu she just does well I have to agree I thought of course hers was the original see I have one Amy Winehouse album and that's not on it Mm. it's uh, back to black but um, I like her Uh, she's good and I thought hers was the original, but in any case, it is better. She did do it better than Emu, because I'm sorry. it uh, The rhythm is wrong on theirs. It's too I slow. Agree. I know the artist always gets it right, but this is one of those times you just wish they got it wrong. Yes. Because she got it just the right kind of wrong. She so, did. Yeah, hers is totally awesome. And while I was looking around for that song, for those songs to listen to for the show, I came across something she did uh, called Monkey Man. Oh. That, and I, I clicked on it because I thought it was a cover of the Rolling Stones' Monkey Man, which is the song I referenced at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flea Bit Peanut Monkey. And um, it turns out it wasn't. It was some awesome Calypso thing. Oh, I loved it. I mean, I'm okay with some depressing music, but I think she takes the depression factor way too far. And when she up-tempos it a bit, oh, it's so good. I mean, I, I really like her. And uh, her version of Valerie nails it on all fronts. Sorry to the originals. Thank you for writing a wonderful song, though. Absolutely. And I think the thing that their version missed was what she hit on, which is kind of a little bit of a doo-wop, a little bit of a R&B, a little bit of blues. Um, the way she phrases it, the just everything about the way that she delivers this song, I just think is perfect. So they might have written the song, but she performed the fuck out of that song. And... You know, I certainly don't do it justice because no one does Amy Winehouse like Amy Winehouse, but oh, it's so much fun to sing. And before we move on, we must mention that she's part of the 27 Club as well. She is, yes. We talked about Hendrix and Kurt Cobain. 
all of whom were doing great work. Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin mm-hmm. and, of course, our friend Amy. So um, she uh, will be missed. She's had a lot to give us. But hopefully she would lean towards the less depressing stuff if she were still here. So <laughs> I doubt it. But either way, she was going to do it in a way that was unforgettable because she's Amy Winehouse. No argument with that. And song number seven is from a, an old friend of ours at Butterflies and Hurricanes who took up two whole interview segments on the show uh, because he had a lot to say and we we're glad to have him. And he's got a lot of contact information and a lot of great music out. And there's a song by him which is definitely about some cheap thrills. I don't know if they're inexpensive, but they're certainly considered low and tawdry and everything else. Is good old-fashioned drugs. Well, I mean, it used to be a lot more plentiful in the mainstream world that we grew up in, in the, in the world of mainstream music. But all these goody two-shoes out there it's very hard to find a song about drugs. It's not pro-drugs. It's, it's against them. But at least it's about them, damn it. Not like the old days. Uh, and I, I don't care if they're there. It's just when you're trying to do a show about cheap thrills, you want to find some cheap thrills out there. But we did. Don't worry. Don't worry. And Demon Boy has been described, possibly by himself and possibly by others, but they nailed it, whoever it was. Kiss meets Megadeth, directed by Tim Burton. Oh, I mean, what more could you ask for? Uh, it's Halloween fright rock, horror rock, metal, theatrical high-energy shock rock. He's out there to put on an incredible show and give you some unforgettable music. And uh, All right, so, from the amazing Demon Boy, here's Pain. Oh, there's some fire in my brain! Cocaine. The pain in your brain is the devil in your vein. 
Ah, and that brings us to feature number three. I doubt mine own eyes. History strikes back. For why was I reading it wrong? And why was I questioning myself? I should know. Just go with your gut. Okay. History strikes back. Uh, a part that we love that's just un- love. undeniably fun. And uh, you, you need to know that uh, I don't think about the songs ahead of time. I just read them and, and go by strictly, just by memory. And I don't know if she knows the song at all. So it's just... And to her credit, she knows most of them. <laughs> so uh, she hasn't completely wasted her life. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so for this feature, we travel back in time to a particular year to review bands, music, charts, and pop culture, if we deem them worthy, for a randomly selected year. And the one chosen this time by the random number generator was 1975. Oof. And I got to tell you, if you had a picky year that was just too iconic... And every other record that came out was one day going to be a 40-year legendary new remastered reissue, etc. And because they're just that good. And they're doing that with so many albums now. And 1975, well, just listen to what came out. But before we get to the music, let's talk about things that really don't matter much. Everything else that was going on in the world. (laughs) We're being honest here. We, we We can't give you any bullshit. We can't. I mean, Watergate, really? Seriously? I mean, it was it was a thing then. It's not now. Nobody cares. But, I mean, it was a thing at the time. It was a huge thing. It was a huge thing. It was. 1975, three Watergate conspirators and confidants, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, Mitchell, convicted. Okay. Wow. Okay. I mean, it was big at the time. No it's question still, about it. It's still big. Still it's big? It's historical. Well, you know, nothing is quite as insignificant as sports, but yet... <laughs> that is true. <laughs> to me. Truth. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's Straight just the way I feel. Straight up truth. But there are events that happen that you know about that you think are pretty cool and that even impress upon your non-sports inclined mind. <laughs> and one of them is a thing that took place in 1975, the Thriller in Manila, where mm. Joe Frazier was beaten by the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. That was 1975. Top television shows included All in the Family, huh? Legendary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laverne and Shirley Maud and The Bionic Woman. What about the movies? Blockbuster hits of the summer, Jaws that year. Mm. Wow. One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest, The Rocky Horror Picture <gasps> Show. <gasps> oh, my God. What? Be still my heart. <clears throat> I'm telling you. And... Wait for it. Dog Day Afternoon. Does it not mean oh, this is a classic year? Yes. Oh, but Oh, but the music is much, much more oh. uh, impressive. But uh, let's see. What else was there? There was... Oh, and a top fad, Pet Rocks. Remember the Pet Rocks? I certainly I do. I do In fact, remember. I have a friend who uh, painted some... An authoress who painted some absolutely beautiful rocks today. I'll have to show them to you. Yes, I love that. Pet Rocks. It was uh, 1975. And guess what made its debut on television? Saturday Night Live. And it was funny back oh, then. Oh, it was so funny. It was. Uh, Still kind of funny. It's just hit or miss, sadly. Oh, but the music. Where do you hear what came out that year? Let me pull up the list that will no doubt boggle your little tiny minds because it is that impressive. All right, before the individual songs, let's talk about the albums. You know, kind of these legendary sell them to the 40 year later generation because they got all the money now uh, reissues. And, you know, <laughs> let's give them a bonus track or two $600. Uh, you know, they can afford it now. They've got all the money these days. Uh, They're going to buy it. So, what came out in 1975? And bear in mind, it was personally a very significant year for me, because I went to my first concert, which I will get to because of the albums, and 
Yeah, I was 14. This was the time I was 14 years old, and all this stuff was happening. These were brand new records. And what were they? Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan, and High Voltage by ACDC, John Lennon, Rock and Roll, mm-hmm. and a number, a little double record you might know of that's a Desert Island choice of mine, Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti, oh, 1975. Oh, God. B.O.C., Bill Oyster oh. Cult Live, On Your Feet or On Your Knees, uh... David Bowie, Young Americans. I swore up and down it was 74. Mm-hmm. They say it's 75. Who am I to question the omniscient Wikipedia? I must be <laughs> wrong. Uh, I could have sworn. Alice Cooper, welcome to my nightmare. First yeah. solo album. And this is one of the three. One of the three I played and played and played to more than any other on a very long trip. Uh, now, Casablanca Records was having a tough time in 1975, facing bankruptcy, even though they had Parliament and Donna Summer and the Village People what? on the label, right? They released the third record by a New York band called Kiss, but the manager of the label decided he wanted to put out a live album, and they recorded a double disc that stills the wicked tongues of naysayers and causes them to clamp their hands over their filthy sewer holes rather than speak against Kiss Alive. Nobody has a word against Kiss Alive. And it is said, <laughs> I saved... Mean, I could maybe find a couple. <laughs> it wouldn't be that hard either. They they wouldn't... No, nobody admits it. And... Uh, I mean, we might just admitted the shit out of it. <laughs> I mean... No, no one nobody you respect deni- at Nobody all. really denies that. If people are, you know, even the proudest people are willing to say, okay, they suck ass. I hate that band, but that's one of the greatest live albums ever. It's like, how is that even possible? Nobody even questions that. Anyway. I feel that I've been questioning it. You've been questioning it. <laughs> it is said that it saved Casablanca from bankruptcy. So there, and then, of course, uh, things moved on up. One of the most interesting soundtracks ever was released that year, which is Tommy, the wackadoodle uh, acid trip put on film called uh, Tommy that uh, Ken Russell directed. The soundtrack's very interesting. has uh, a lot of people on it. Eric Clapton, Tina Turner. It's uh, pretty amazing. Came out that year, as did the movie, which... Uh, the, first, the first Journey album with Steve Perry. This is on the classic rock side. Uh, gee, a lot of these are... We were looking at my records tonight. As I said, you'd be amazed at how many of them are right here. Hair of the Dog, Nazareth... Uh, King Arthur I'm not going to read the title It's too long The one with King Arthur That's uh, Rick Wakeman Uh, (laughs) One of the all-time classics Captain Fantastic And the Brown Dirt Cowboy Elton John Another That's one of the three That's two right there Welcome to my nightmare This one And another one By Edgar Winter Group And uh, that's my That's my three Um, This is Beneath You Of course Bachman Turner Overdrive Four-wheel drive I like it Bay City Rollers (laughs) Were still recording You know there was hope If those guys Were still recording I love that group an absolutely brilliant compilation by the Stones called Metamorphosis. If you never heard it, get it. It's great. Uh, the Eagles, one of these... Wait. One of these nights. That's the album title. Uh, we're not supposed to sing those, but uh, yeah, we can mix you it up. You went off script. Look at but, you. And hey, if they got a title track, why do it? Why I mean, do, why not? We, why we'll wait? have plenty to get to later. Why can't we be friends? Oh, why can't we be friends? By War. Uh, that was the same year. Uh, now, a pair of albums that were released in 1975 that were very significant to me personally because I saw the bands together on tour promoting each of these phenomenal albums, and you know them well. One is Black Sabbath, Sabotage. They were the headliners. Madison Square Garden, 1975. That was indescribable. But the opening act, oh, a little ensemble that uh, you might have heard of called Aerosmith. Who wow. was Aerosmith released Toys in the Attic the same year, and they were uh, promoting those albums and... Got to see them both. And here's one dear to us at the show, I feel confident. 
Hearts, Dreamboat mm. Annie. Ugh. Ugh. Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Here's this one that this could was never the be norm back then. I mean, we, you can't Queen, think of two of those coming the out. Within a five-year span years today, it was incessant. Wow. It was too much. We were ready to crack under the strain. Just too, <laughs> too could, much awesome. You I know? don't know how you could handle it. My yeah, brain it was, it was It really was very taxing. Yes, Of course. Was. I mean, it was too much, too much to have all of this beautiful music come out at the same time. I just, I don't know how you managed. I don't. Well, those were some amazing albums, but... What about the radio? What about the hit singles? That's what really blew my mind when I was reading up on 1970, because you don't remember 45 years later. I mean, I was there, sure. I remember if I think about something, but I, I don't know what was on the radio, but oh, what a list it is. And I guarantee even you kids out there are going to know probably at least a third of these songs. And, and Christina is not exactly a kid, so she'll probably know most of them, I think. Well, we'll see what we know and we don't know when we read the... Top 100 hits. No, we're not going to do them all. Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, thank you for the warning. Good Goodbye. Night. You know. Yes. No, we're not going to do them all. Probably do maybe a half of them. Stay anyway. tuned. We'll try to breeze through as quick, quickly as we can. Earlier that year, we had a big hit song with a cover, a Beatles cover to be precise. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by Elton John. Mm. Uh, we're not going to say everybody knows how to sing that one. We don't have to do that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is in my collection. I was showing Christina this tonight, in fact. Barry Manilow, Mandy. Come on now, recognize. Okay, okay. you don't have to recognize this. <laughs> I do love Mandy. I suppose you don't have to. It's sweet. <laughs> Come on. Uh-oh. Ready? Everyone's favorite whispering waif, Olivia Newton-John. Have you never been mellow? Come on, you love... Li- <laughs> okay, maybe not. I thought it was cool. I remember the I Honestly Love You. I remember that song as being just a tearjerker. Oh. Her was- voice. Now, come on, Ed. Oh, who doesn't love old black water? Keep on rolling. No? You know it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I do know it. <laughs> I do know it. Want to hear some funky Dixieland? You don't know that part oh, either? Yeah, I, I know. I know it, but I don't know how to sing it. Oh. <laughs> yes, I know that, but yeah. I thought for sure you had that one. Okay. Oh, everybody get ready to swoon. Frankie Valley. My eyes adored you. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I forget. You were so young. You know. uh, I won't even attempt to sing Loving You. You know. Wait, are we talking about loving you? Yeah, yeah. It's no. easy because you're beautiful. <laughs> I can't do that other part, though. No one can. A personal favorite of mine from Sir Elton John. A fellow of freedom. Oh. on me. Oh, it's so oh, great. So I good. love that song. I love that song, too. Well, that was used in uh, oh, tennis. Uh, darn it. I'm so ignorant. Um, it was used by a team. Uh, I think it was a team that called gosh. itself the Philadelphia Freedom. I think you wrote it for that. I think uh, so, too. I yeah. mean, it's a beautiful song. It's a fantastic song. I love it. Uh, uh-oh. And this, oh man, and this was real funk back then. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Shining star, no matter who you are, shining bright to see who you can truly be. I don't remember the words. As I look at the list, it's kind of uncanny how many of these titles appeared in my record collection that I was showing you tonight. Uh, John Denver. How many John Denver records did I have? Like seven or eight or something like that. Yeah, at least. (laughs) Which I inherited, but they're... Uh-oh. And, of course, I think this was the number one song of the year, actually, or very close to it. Love, love will keep, keep us together. together. Think, think of me, me babe, whenever. whenever. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love I Captain Antonio. Captain Antonio. Oh. Yes, we're in you, and we're in unison. Yes. In the, our shameless admission that we love Captain Antonio. Oh, love. Oh, come on! Everybody loves this song. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Do a little dance. Make, make a little love. love. Get, get down, down tonight, tonight. Baby. Get, get down, down tonight. tonight. <laughs> Every- <laughs> Everybody loves that Come song. Come on. That is Casey your- and the Sunshine ah. Band. My older brother played those records. David Bowie. Bang. Oh. Glenn Campbell. Like a rhinestone Stone cowboy. cowboy. I remember that. Yeah. Riding out. On- yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you totally nailed that one line. You know. That one part line. with the title, that was priceless. Okay. <laughs> Damn Great comeback by Neil Sadaka. Yes, Neil Sadaka was back with a duet with Sir Elton John. Bad Blood. Remember that? Bad, bad, bad blood, blood, blood. Whatever oh, the heck he says. Whatever the hell they say after that. Oh, come on. Who does not love Silver Convention? Fly, Robin, fly. Oh, Oh, disco is before you. Oh, you're so young. Hey, I know some disco. I do. Yeah, it did not survive quite as well. It's not as ubiquitous this day as it uh, some other disco classics are. I mean, I think everybody, well, that might be a subject for another day. I think everybody loves disco, whether they like it to admit it or not. So I'm, I'm happy to admit it. I'm a, oh, I'm yeah, a, we have no problem with that. I got no shame. Nope. There ain't, ain't no, no shame, shame in, in my game. game. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that was rather prescient. <laughs> I guess it was. Who fucking uses that word? Who says a shit? Perfectly. Who says a shit? Perfectly ordinary. <laughs> to whom? In my in my circle. <laughs> oh, apparently, <laughs> shit! I thought I was in them, but apparently I am I not. Four hundred pages here. <laughs> I think you're using the one I gave you today, and then you're using the old version too. We barely scratched the surface on the grandeur that was mainstream pop music in uh, 1975, and uh, there's so much more to it. Just just look it up, and even the next generation has to admit that they had some stuff going on in 1975, and that. I think brings you to a site. No, a song. A song. Song number six. The band is Laying on Graves. Unforgettable name. I love it. And the name of the song is Seeds. This band is from Palmdale, California, and they are rock. And I had the opportunity to chat with the songwriter, instrumentalist, and singer, Christian Love, about her song. And she acted as a one-woman band playing everything except the drums, which, of course, she mentioned she programmed. Her vocals are very sexy, soothing, and menacing all at the same time. She sings about a garden of secrets, seeds, and souls. She will inspire you to tend your own garden to ensure that any seeds planted will not bear unintended fruit. Where the seed on the love 
All right, song number five is an artist that goes way back with us at Butterflies and Hurricanes. In fact, that's where I first heard her before I even became the co-host of the show. And I was immediately struck by this uh, this powerful sort of runaways and Susie Quattro kind of influence struck, but she's beautiful ballads and all of her stuff is just so wonderful. So I've been following and getting everything she's had. And this is one of at least two songs in the countdown tonight, wherein the narrator is... Enjoying cheap thrills vicariously, shall we say. Basically, by loving the bad boy or the bad girl. In this case, the bad boy. And uh, not quite sure I get the appeal there. It's a good look. But do you really want to be with a bad boy? Aren't they kind of like assholes? Isn't, isn't that the whole thing, you know? Yeah, I don't want to be with a bad boy. But, however, two of the uh, ladies we're going to hear from tonight uh, are going to talk about their sort of infatuation thing with bad boys. And this is the first one. A real powerful song from Sabrina Fallout. Not only a great hard-rocking pop gem, but one of the few songs in the indie music world to invoke the name of Godzilla. And the other one is me. So right. uh, we, we do have that in common. We have a, like a bond there, sort of a Godzilla bond, a, a brotherhood, if you will. And um, she, Godzilla-hood. Godzilla-hood, there you go. <laughs> Godzilla-hood. Or a Zilla-hood. You could just say Zilla. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm just saying. You can't hang with us unless you got a song about Godzilla, or at least where he's mentioned. <laughs> Although I really run it into the ground uh, in my song. And this one, it's just... A plain old everyday ass kicker about loving the bad boy. And this one is called Kiss is a Killer.
Sabrina Fala, Kiss is a Killer, the title song. And you can easily find Sabrina on Facebook. And her name is spelled Sabrina, and we know you got that one, but Fala, F-A-L-L-A-H, Sabrina Fala. And here I am, compelled to do yet another feature, feature four, Hell Yes or Oh, Hell No. And as you might have become accustomed to already, for this feature, we consider bands or acts and determine if we're advocates for them, Hell Yes, or, eh, detractors, shall we say, Oh, Hell No. We also ask for your opinions on on this act and share the results and the artist in question the artist formerly known as in question (laughs) Mr. Prince and there's not even a lot of uh, polarization going on here 97% 97% of the respondents said, hell yes, Prince. Are you kidding me? Hell yes. Uh, two, definitely not, and I saw those. Yeah. And However... It did hurt my heart. I don't want to lie to you. It kind yeah. of stung a little bit. But everybody's pretty much of one mind about his incredible guitar playing skills, although he's he's every bit as good on every instrument. He's a superb multi-instrumentalist, but this son of a bitch can't play guitar, and that's what really stands out when he does it. Just an amazing performer. I've had only a couple of records of his in my life, but they were incredible. Uh, Most and, notable. Yeah. Uh, most notably, well, one I bought with you, but uh, earlier on, years ago, I had uh, Graffiti Bridge oh, yeah. also, which is a very fine record. I did see Purple Rain, unbelievable performances and some other stuff, too, <laughs> pretty much. Some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life, but just yeah, you could so that. much fun. Yeah, yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> so you, much you fun. gotta fail. It is, it is fun. It is, uh, you go, what? You know, what? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Prince... Learns his dad is this, you know, finally comes to see that his dad is this great musician. Suddenly, years of abusing mom just kind of melt away. <laughs> no biggie. No biggie. Well, oh, you're a musician. Well, now I get it. Because, All is forgiven. Because I slap my hoe, too, you know? <laughs> well, he does. He obviously he obviously is a believer in a bitch, a bitch ain't shit. You know? I mean, he obviously, no, no worry about him trusting a hoe. I mean, he knows a bitch ain't shit, you know? <laughs> Oh, God. What did I say? <laughs> oh, shit. <clears throat> oh. So, Prince, of course, hell yes, obviously. And I believe you've expressed that one of your greater regrets concerns this artist. Yes, it is a huge regret that I never saw him and I will never get to see him live. I'm a an oh, hell, motherfucker, yes, on this one. I mean, Prince is brilliant. God, there are so many shining moments in his career. So on to song number four by Honolulu Blitz. And the song is called Drunk. They're alternative rock. I immersed myself in this intentionally chaotic and frustrated song. I can feel the internal struggle of him worrying that he will lose himself again. There are moments of clarity that serve as a stunning and powerful resolve. And there are also a few voices that come in and out and that serve as both fiend and angel. This is Drunk.
So Honolulu Blitz can be found on Facebook at Honolulu B-L-I-T-Z. Check them out. Feature five is Hawkward Lyrics. And for this feature, we weigh in on nonsensical, strange, crazy, or bullshit song lyrics. And a classic eternal band, The Beatles, is going to be the focus of this week's Hawkward Lyrics. And the song is Run For Your Life. Now, if that title isn't enough for you, let's talk a little bit about these terrifying (laughs) lyrics that are Hawkward as fuck. So here we go. Well, I'd rather see you dead, little girl. This is how we're opening. Yeah. This is the opening line. Your first volley. <clears throat> here. This is it. Ready? Yes, ready. Let me try one more time. I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't read that correctly. Well, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. You better keep your head, little girl. First of all, don't fucking call me little girl. I will fucking end you. <laughs> you better keep your head, little girl, or I won't know where I am. You'd better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch you with another man. That's the end, little girl. Holy shit. I'm feeling super awkward right now. I don't know about you. I mean, just reading those, I feel really uncomfortable. It is a really, it is an incredibly dark lyric that uh, has appeared actually just this week on a list of songs that would not be made today. And right? first of all, of course, we abhor this kind of guy. Of course, disgusting. Uh, but there is a certain leeway in song lyrics for, I mean, listen to Eminem. I mean, it's uh, way worse than this. But uh, the thing is, it's, and I'm not into gossip or anything like that, but. I think John Lennon is do- is really talking about himself here, <laughs> unfortunately, um, because he's done lots of songs about being jealous and being possessive. Ooh. No way was he this bad, but uh, I don't think. But um, it it is a creepy lyric. But what's- well, you're leading into the next line. Yeah. So that's a good point because John Lennon may have written these lyrics because the jealousy does come out. Well, you know that I'm a wicked guy and I was born with a jealous mind. And I can't spend my whole life just trying to make you toe the line. <laughs> you better run for your life if you can, little girl. What? There's that little girl thing again. I do not like that at all. That little girl thing is so condescending and so shitty and just so second-class citizen-y. Oh, hell no. Well, it's every other line. It's uh, it every, is. Uh, And I love this right here. Let this be the sermon. I mean, everything I've said, baby, I'm determined. And I'd rather see you dead. So, Hawkward. So, as far as, like, singing along in the car, I might pass on this one. Um, and certainly playing this, like, let's say at a party or in mixed company, I might pass on that as well. Not because I'm not cool with us listening to music with dark themes. I mean, Ascent is very dark-themed. But there's just, I don't know, a little bit... I, I guess it's just awkward. At some point, it goes from being, wow, that's really dark and that's strange and that's mysterious to just awkward as fuck. And that's where this song falls. And the, it's interesting that the origin of it is nowhere near. It's a, it's a little jarring, but that's all. Uh, he lifted that line pretty much verbatim from the song from Elvis's song, A Baby Let's Play House. Now, Elvis didn't write the thing, but he did record it. And uh, it's just your basic... Hey baby, I want to play house with you. I mean, it's your basic song, you know, right. boy-girl song, and he throws in this one line about "I'd rather see you dead than to be with another man," 
And uh, you just go, ooh, where did that come mm. from? But it, it isn't the tenor of the song. But Lennon seized on that and ran with it and ramped up the creep factor uh, through the roof and has come up with this, as you said, a terrifying little tale. And among the other things, that, uh, the songs that ended up on the list of songs that would not be made today, you figure the Rolling Stones would have half a dozen. Oh, I mean, I mean this seriously. Is, first of all, this is the Beatles being as dark as they get. McCartney only gets as close as I'm looking through you, where he sings, You were above me, but not today. The only difference is you're down there. I'm looking through you, and you're nowhere. I mean, that's as bitter as, as Paul McCartney doles out on this album. Lennon comes along, and he's stalking and threatening. And honestly, that part about, I won't know where I am, every time I hear mm-hmm. that, I, I picture his eyes just rolling around in his head. <laughs> I mean, oh, my gosh, right? It's a mess. Just you know? on the edge, this right is, there. This is the lovable mop tops, too. This is not <laughs> the dangerous Jagger and Richards. This is the Beatles, you know, uh, rounding out the classic Rubber Soul album, and particularly unusual way and it is kind of awkward why I still listen to it I don't know Uh, I'm not gonna uh, I mean obviously this is a person who does not need to be told that bitches ain't shit he already knew (laughs) (laughs) it's like a recurring theme I'm feeling it well you turned me on to an absolutely brilliant cover of that by hilarious I mean the song is hilarious enough on its own but what Ben Folds did with it is just beyond belief I was dying absolutely dying this is a creepy, misogynistic, stalkery kind of uh, ooh, icky, premeditated ick murdery yeah. thing. I mean, come yeah. on, it's an ick fest. It it's really a, it's is. An ooh. It's it an is. Ooh, you know? But at the same time, I still listen to it. and I still intend to. <laughs> so uh, I'm not quite ready to explain the contradiction yet. But I'll get back to you. Awkward, <laughs> yes. Something you can no longer listen to. No. So we go from awkward to sexy for song number three. The band is Corlex, and the song is Hot Sex. Brighton, UK is where they hail from. They are electro-grunge. The electronic beat and heavy guitar is exactly what I hoped for when listening to another stunning, stirring, and sexy track by this band. This song walks us through her desire for hot sex. There is a sort of Morse code beat that kicks in and feels urgent and tense. The bridge is a fucking revelation. It is both pop and goth all at once. Then it morphs back into the dark, hot, and sinister verse. She makes the prize she seeks clear. Ask and ye shall receive.
So you can find Hot Sex and a lot of other songs by Corlex on Facebook at C-O-R-L-Y-X Official. And uh, you're going to want to check out their videos and their photos. They are a beautiful, amazing, loving married couple. And I had the opportunity to speak to the singer, and she is just a lovely human being. And I cannot say enough about this band. All right, and that brings us to feature six, The Partridge Effect. And as you know, for this feature, we look at family bands, brothers, sisters, dads, moms, and of course, we named it after the greatest musical family of all time, The Partridge Family. But in this case, we're talking about a band which rates similarly, uh, Mm -hmm. at least somewhere in the same ballpark as The Partridge Family, The Brothers Gib, The Bee Gees. Mm. Absolutely fantastic band, and this was a big deal in my house growing up. My Next In Line Sib had... Pretty much every record on this list and then some. Uh, the uh, extensive work of the Bee Gees in the 60s was brilliant, and they're even tied to tonight's randomly selected year. But we'll get to that later. They started recording in, formed in 1958. How is that even possible? I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I mean, what is it? What were they uh, contemporaries with the Glenn Miller Orchestra? I mean, what the hell? I don't yeah. know. I know. Uh, unbelievable. The brothers Barry, Robin, and Morris Gibb, uh, one of their hallmarks, of course, is the three-part tight harmonies. They had superb harmonies, the Bee Gees, because they all sang. Uh, Barry's rhythm and blues falsetto and Robin's clear vibrato lead vocal. And he has uh, he, mm. he defines the Bee Gees sound to me, uh, although they all do, really. Released the first album in 1965. That's how far back they go. Um, the Bee Gees sing and play 14 Barry Gibbs songs. Is that the name of it? Mm-hmm. I, see, I never heard of this one. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. When I, I did not have every one on the list because this is new to me. Um, and it's not on the list here, but somewhere early on, they released a song that, honestly, is just one of the death row classics of all time. And I don't mean death row like the rap label. I'm talking about guys who are about to face execution and they write a song. Oh, indeed. The Green Green Grass of Home being one. And the Bee Gees classic... I've got to get a message to you. Oh, beautiful song. You know oh, that one? Wow. Oh, gorgeous yes, I song. Do. Incredible vocal by Robin. Just a, a powerful, stirring song. Somewhere earlier on in the discography. 1966, Spicks and Specks, which was a great song in itself, Spicks and Specks. 67, uh, New York Mining Disaster, 1941. Uh, when Robin sings, It's just a photograph mm-hmm. of someone that's I knew. Oh, just... They were one of the great vocal groups of all time. However, they became much more mainstream later on, but not which we'll just talk yet, about which we moment. will talk about. <laughs> and uh, among the albums here, uh, Horizontal, 1968, uh, Massachusetts. There's a very well-known song. There's a beautiful song. Uh, 69, Odessa. 1970, Cucumber Castle, a very unusual album and unique in their canon because it's only Barry and Morris. Robin is not on it for some reason. Well, Morris even sings lead on one song, at least, that I remember called The Lord. So it's a very unusual Bee Gees album, but how long do you want to be without Robin? He's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, 1970s, two years on, had the all-time classic Lonely Days, that intro. Good morning, Mr. Sunshine. Wow. The harmonies these guys were laying down were the rival of the Eagles or the Beatles or anything, any day. Um, 
Trafalgar, 1971. That's one of those things the British know about some war somewhere. <laughs> Trafalgar was involved. You know, there was a guy or a place. No, it's a place. Okay. How can you mend a broken heart? Oh, oh my, my goodness. And somewhere in that era also, there's a song that doesn't appear here, Words, which was actually selected by Elvis Presley himself to perform live for many years. You know, you know it's only words. It's only words. And words are all I have. Oh, maybe that wasn't. Maybe that's why it's not on there because it wasn't that big. <laughs> but sorry, yeah. uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty. Yeah, it is beautiful. And they were steadily cranking out great albums and great pop tunes over the years. Like 1972, "To Whom It May Concern" had "Run to Me," beautiful Bee Gees classic. A 1973, "Life in a Tin Can," fantastic record. To had some good rockers on there, some good blues and rock stuff, as well as the song "Saw a New Morning." 74, "Mr. Natural." 75, wasn't that the year we were talking Hmm. about tonight? 75 was a pivotal year for the Bee Gees with the album Main Course. I mean, they went in a slightly soul direction. Before they put out one of the greatest selling albums of all time, or at least uh, were the headliner on the greatest compilation album of all time, Saturday Night Fever, they released the very soulful Main Course and talk about edgy, I mean, the cover is an illustration of a spoon of milk with a naked woman sitting in it. Now, come on, okay? This is a whole new world for the Bee Gees, and it was full of classics like Jive Talkin', Fanny Be Tender With My Love. They still had great ballads like Country Lanes and good rockers, but Nights on Broadway, come on, recognize now, mm. that is just a magnificent song. And there's a new direction for the Bee Gees, which they would continue. In 1976, Children of the World, You Should Be Dancing. Oh. Huh? Huh? Come on. And of course, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack with Night Fever. 79, a little bit dialed back off the disco sound, but uh, very soulful, uh, too much heaven tragedy. Oh. These are great songs. You know? After the quote-unquote disco era, which uh, everybody, if you ever do any disco, you get labeled. Blondie is called a disco band. Freaking Hello, Blondie. What? Although they've done their share of dance music, of it course. definitely wouldn't qualify as disco, except for the song which they even originally titled themselves the disco song. <laughs> but uh, after the disco era, the Bee Gees continued with their fantastic pop slash rock in 1981's Living Eyes, 87 ESP. 89-1, putting them out every few years, not really busting, not really knocking themselves out, but uh, <laughs> and they don't need to. Uh, 91, High Civilization. 93, did they really call an album Sizes and Everything? Apparently they did. <laughs> they did. 97, Still Waters. And 2001, the uh, last album of theirs, I won't say this one song again, 2001, their last album to date, and sadly it will be the last album because... Two of the three brothers Gibb have passed away. Only Barry remains, so there definitely will be no more Bee Gees. 2001's This Is Where I Came In was the last for the Bee Gees, but an absolutely incredible legacy of music they gave us, spanning back to 1965. I mean, just decades worth of brilliant pop, rock, and soul music that I've always, it's been with me my whole life, and they're always going to be there. So, And there are tribute bands. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but they're dead, okay? Is it okay? There are tribute bands. The Bee Gees are immortal. What do you think about the Bee Gees? I am a huge fan. I've been a fan since, again, that whole ear pressed up against the older brother's door listening to him play all of the disco classics, you know, especially the Bee Gees. And then when he was gone, going in there and listening to his records. My will, and uh, 
absolutely love the Bee Gees. Always have. I have this thing for harmonies, right? So I love their harmonies. And I actually, it's interesting that you you really seem to have a focus on Robin, where my focus has always been on Barry and his crazy falsetto. I mean, like, I've just, it's it's unlike anything else I've ever heard. And for me, his voice is the defining part of the Bee Gees, not so much Robin's, although I do think it's iconic for sure. The Bee Gees are timeless. They're incredible. Jive Talkin' is probably one of my favorites, but all of their ballads just, uh, yeah, they that's the melt thing. me. They do, they do. Now, Barry wasn't really doing the falsetto hardly at all before main course. Right. But, um, yeah, the ballads, they're harmonies. Uh, oh, my goodness. They're just, they are engraved into my, uh, my mind forever. They really are. So the Bee Gees, the Partridge Effect, I will say, there's certainly one of my favorite family bands. And mine, going back before you were even born, Missy. So <laughs> don't don't pull Bee Gees cred on me. <laughs> no. And what's really terrible about the Bee Gees is they had a brother who was also a hit machine, Andy oh. Gibb. No doubt you remember Andy Gibb. Well, he's also gone, uh, sadly. So Barry is the only Gibb left. All right, so song number two. Wow, we are getting close to the top spot. Excitement is mounting. All right, I'm just going to move forward. <laughs> I'm on pins and needles. Aren't actually. you? Yeah, I'm on pins and needles. Well, before we get to the top spot, let me talk about song number two by Cryogenica. The song is called Personality Disorder, and they are from the UK. We have a lot of really great players this time from the UK, I will say. Goth, Industrial, Electronica, Shoegaze, Rock. Now, I will tell you right now, I don't know what the fuck Shoegaze is. Yeah, that phrase was new to me when Starshine Black was described in such a way. Apparently, we're out of the loop on this one, because yeah. everybody else seems to know. So, I guess. Well, I mean, I don't know that I dislike shoegaze or like it, so I'm just going to say shoegaze right on, because if cryogenica is shoegaze, then I, apparently I like it, because I found cryogenica to be very enticing. I'm taken with the industrial build that leads us to those dark, haunting female vocals. The song is a study in distortion. It has a lo-fi sound that feels decidedly punk rock with a goth undertone, industrial sensibilities, and a rock foundation. It's a chunky, hard, crunchy song that is sure to delight all of your personalities.
That was Cryogenica, and you can find them on Facebook at Cryogenica UK. That's C-R-Y-O-G-E-N-I-C-A-U-K. Nice. All right, and the number one spot for this episode about Cheap Thrills, Squawk on the Wild Side, is another lady who's living, shall we say, through the badness of another, living on the edge, and finds herself irresistibly drawn to a bad motherfucker, as she <laughs> describes him. Now, to me, that will always mean Samuel Jackson's wallet in Pulp Fiction. Uh, but uh, Leona X, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, an old friend of ours of Butterflies and Hurricanes, of course. She's been on the show. Actually a member of a few bands before founding the absolutely incredible Jaggedy Ann and their Straight Out of Hollywood story, which you got to hear, but we don't have time for that now. And with bands of her own, she's released two EPs, Ready for this and last year's The Woman in Me. Leona's solo work with her own band was one of my first favorites in the indie music scene. And the narrator of this song, apparently, is a relatively normal person who just simply can't help falling in love with the title character, Bad Motherfucker.
Leona X with our number one song, Bad Motherfucker, from the terrific EP, The Woman in Me. And you can find her social media on Facebook at Leona X Band and her website, which uh, contains everything, basically. Links to all kinds of uh, projects of hers at LeonaXRocks.com. And you can check her out in the archives of Butterflies and Hurricanes and Jagged Ann and her solo stuff have been played on Butterflies and Hurricanes endlessly. And she is my personal rock and roll queen, so I've had the pleasure of seeing her twice live. In fact, the first time I ever went to the Whiskey A Go-Go was to see Leona. And she also got me to prod on down to Las Vegas to see Jagged Ann, which I was talking about before. As soon as I got back is when I interviewed Tosca and Brucie. But that's a band you must hear as well. And there's links to all of that at LeonaXRocks.com. So, what quill we do next? <laughs> What's going to be the next theme of Birds of a Feather? Are we going to do a free bird or are we going to have a theme? I think we're going to go with themes for a while. And this is a great one that Christina just came up with. Huffin' and, wait for it, puffin'. Huffin' and puffin'. Don't you love a puffin', honestly? Uh, I do. L- it's a beautiful little bird, and it's a brilliant uh, little punny metaphory kind of thing there. And But what is it about? Huffin' and puffin' is anything... <laughs> Anything that makes you pant, anything that makes you breathe heavy. It can be struggles, hardships, frustrations, irritations, indignation, condemnation, maybe a little lust, who knows? I don't know, whatever you come up with. Uh, Anything that makes you huff and puff. Exercise. You got a song about exercise? Great. Here's the thing. If you find yourself huffing and puffing any time this coming week, I don't care if you're digging potatoes. Look for a song about digging potatoes and send it to us at bofonair at gmail.com. That's B-O-A-F, of course. Both on air at gmail.com. And we're looking forward to seeing what you're going to huff and puff and blow our house down with. And then what we need you to do, though, is listen to the 731 show to see if you made our top 10. So it's that part of the show, David, the part where I get a little misty and I start to kind of feel a little low because we're getting close to the end of our show and parting is such sweet sorrow. Carol Burnett stole the best damn goodbye song ever, and we can't use it. We so, can't. It's too know. bad. I would. It is, you know? Well, again, we give you homework. We need you to do a little bit of work in this relationship. Now, when we started the show, I mentioned that, but I want to just go back and cover again. We will not do all the work. We need you to meet us at least halfway, maybe a quarter of the way, if not half. And we need you to tell us what you think of... Marilyn Manson. I mean, we're asking for your opinion about one thing, yes or no. I mean, it's not I mean, that it's much. it's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. I mean, I we're mean. not asking that much. We're asking you to listen to the damn show. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Listen, share, and yes or fucking no. That's oh, it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Of course, that's, that's everybody's important is telling us whether you like Marilyn Manson or not. Exactly. And we will let you know what we think on the next show. And I have a feeling you're going to tell us a little bit about what's coming up. Yes, because I guess that only leaves me uh, to wrap this puppy up in a neat little blanket. All right, the next Birds of a Feather air date is July 31st. Whoa, getting on deep into the summer now, boo hiss. Uh, the burning orb of misery tormenting us. <laughs> you do not believe the struggles we've had uh, <laughs> over that uh, thing of, uh, I was going to say darkness, that thing up there. And where can you hear Fusion Music Radio shows? At fusionmusicradio.net. At Spreaker, at Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, etc., 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 and other stuff. I'm not really... Our Heart Radio. Yeah, I heard, yeah right? Our Heart Radio. And so many things. There's so many places. Yeah, go to freezingsradio.net and maybe you'll find out. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and the other programming on Fusion Music Radio, and there is a cornucopia of it, indeed. There is a brand new episode, by the way, of In Details, the Tilly Riddle Show, intriguingly titled Warm. I can't wait to hear this one. Um, we have the Arc 
archives of the Hill Rant Radio Show, Ian Moss now has flowing backwards on the show. We have Butterflies and Hurricanes and the spin-off Indian Insurrection. And uh, in addition to that, the granddaddy of them all, the Surge Master Sessions, and of course a lot of crap that I produce too. Oh, and Audrey, Audrey's mixtape show, and a lot of crap that I produce too. And um, yeah, so plenty to keep you uh, amused and informed and entertained. And from where I'm sitting, that only leaves you to say... Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.